You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. You know, you normally have the Newsoms on one channel. Newsom. Yeah, you know what would be really funny is if, as if we did the whole show and the only thing we got is like Kevin and Ryan like responding to what you and I were saying. That would be pretty isn't, amazing. Isn't it? And not what, at all frustrating for you. It would be like a, like a like team debate. Is that kind of what? No, it kind of be is? like Mad Libs. So whoever was like listening to the show, basically, they're playing their own thing of Mad Libs. They're like creating their own conversation back. Sort one. of like a choose your own adventure, except it never really goes anywhere. Well, yeah, it's like a choices. lot of work for the audience. I don't know, man. And all the answers are bad. It, yeah, it's theater. I don't of the see mind, how dude. any of these analogies really fit into what it would sound like if we had only one channel. Of <laughs> well, audience. no, like imagine if you imagine if you were like a lonely kid. Have you been and you were like listening to the show? I have to imagine Shane. <laughs> okay, right. Neither do I, dude. Oh, magic <laughs> roundabout. I get it now. They, well, and it would be like you know you're just sitting like in a dark room by yourself, like on your bed, like under the. Sheets probably, and those which are your is, friends. And you're, how you're, most of the people most people consume our podcast <laughs> in a dark fear. room under their sheets. Yeah. But but the, but their friends are 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 Kevin and Ryan Newsom, and then and instead of so where the they instead of like Kevin. what they would hear me and Mark saying, it would just be them creating their own questions and or responses to what you guys are talking about. Better yet, we could even send out a script of what you and I might have said. And then they can participate oh, in the we podcast. We can put that online. And they can send them back, and we can read the funniest responses on this the week. Yes. That's, a, that's let's just do. But you know what? One of the things, like that sounds while that sounds like an incredibly amusing idea to me and only me. <laughs> like in reality, I can't imagine how fucking frustrated producer Mark would be if like that's what happened. If if like our channel dropped out, and it was only two of you guys. Oh, like, I kind of like the idea of the hypothetical podcast, though. It'd be like, oh, it could have been so much better. Well, you, you can look at man. No, no, he can't. Okay. Name, me, name me another show that's done that. No, no. Yeah, like, there's there's, that's true. There's yeah, Ryan has a good point, and somebody could just, like, grab a hairbrush. It's like Charlie every... Kaufman created a podcast, uh, kind of. <laughs> Wait, Charlie be... Kaufman or Andy Kaufman? Either. Either. Okay. <laughs> right, all right. One, all right. First, one created the other star again. Uh, anyway. Okay, let's just, let's, let's go into the show. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. If somebody likes it. You know, the 90s was a time of uh, consternation, and uh, two, two such acts uh, associated with the 90s uh, are, seem to be at odds. Uh, it has been reported that Bell and Sebastian and Noel Gallagher, who never has a harsh word to say about anybody. No, no. no. <laughs> Wait, are they in like a rap battle? <laughs> yeah, this, Dude, I paid no. fucking tickets for that shit. Yeah, no, yeah. Basically, um, so Noel Gallagher, I guess, got a new record coming out, and and I guess was part of the conversation along with the promotion for that upcoming release is that he claims that music and culture was quote, quote freer in the '90s, uh, stating that it's easier for people to uh, stating that it's easier for people to express themselves now. That doesn't totally make sense to me, but anyway, basically. Uh, Bell and Sebastian said um, that he doesn't realize that he's rich and privileged. <laughs> and Did that he, uh, uh, Stu- go, go Stuart, Stuart Murdoch uh, of Bell and Sebastian, or is this just... Who is Stuart Murdoch? I think he's the, the 
like main. Oh, the main dude of Bell and Sebastian. Yes, right. Basically, it was one of those obscure like SNL characters you throw in out of nowhere. Bell and Sebastian, yeah, and also in Looper. Yeah, so basic, basically he says, so if you're, if you're 20 and you're entering the music business now, you won't know what's gone before, says, says Gallagher. So for a 20-year-old, I guess this is a 20-year-old in the 90s, uh, you won't realize, but the 90s, it's only now people are starting to realize what a fantastic decade that was for all sorts of things. He, these are his words for politics, fashion, music, sport. Um, there's a lot of stuff that stood the test of time, train spotting, uh, Oasis, Verve, Pulp, all that mob. It was a lot freer then, for sure. And uh, Shane has a hand raised. <laughs> I, I, two things. Um, Only two. Get oh, off my lawn. <laughs> no. Well, get off my. Okay. Well, that's that, that was that was third. But number one, I love how he modestly put Oasis second in the line of things that were incredible oh, in the nineties. Yeah. Like he put well. Train Spotting first, but you know, like he and then Oasis second. Like, and then and the second thing. Yeah, dude, you were in your fucking 20s in the 90s. Like, it fucking rules when you're in the 20s and shit's happening. Especially when you were, like, an incredibly famous, incredibly wealthy... International rock star. International superstar. Yeah. So, fuck you, Noel Gallagher. Yeah, no, I totally agree. But but the other... I the think he's just pining for the days of, like, the Oasis versus Blur battles, and they're trying to awake, of, of like, course revive he, it. Of course he is, because, like, he's making money anytime he plays a show, especially in Britain... He's making tons of money, but he's not like Noel Gallagher, like in head, you know, like in neon lights. And so, by the way, I, I, to that end, I think it's very interesting, and I don't think it's contrived, but I wouldn't be surprised if it were that Liam Gallagher is dropping a record at the same fucking time as Noel Gallagher, and all the all the news reports I've been reading about are are like brother versus the brother. Gallaghers in the nineties, you know. Uh, yeah, now I Kevin, Kevin you I had believe a point. that that's totally possible. Say again, you had a point. Yeah, well the the, the thing that kind of <laughs> occasionally yeah. the thing that uh, the thing that kind of gets thrown away in this um, in this article is that Bell and Sebastian announced also that they're releasing three new EPs titled. Uh, this is the best part. How to solve our human problems. So, you know, there's a lot of promise in there. I, I'm, I'm not waiting exactly. with bated breath. That is a that is a self help tape I would buy. That is, but you don't actually figure it out until the third EP. Right? Yeah, it's really soft spoken. <laughs> it's like, well, hey guys, here's what we need to do. <laughs> Michael Sarah fronting a Scottish band. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So so that's that. The uh, you know the Gallagher, Noel Gallagher, and Bell and Sebastian. And uh, Liam Gallagher and Radiohead and you know like yeah. who 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 actually somebody in Blur and sure and the it, cast of Train Spotting yes and the cast of yeah, Train Spotting uh, nobody just, gets along well, no uh, yeah that's kind of part of the course these days though anyway all right I was gonna say something else but I'm I can't top that all right well let's get the item in hand dudes what are we here to talk about Shane Shane Wolf Alice Visions of a Life. Um, second LP. Second LP. So let me just say this right off the bat. I alluded to this last week. Their first record is, in my opinion, an instant classic. Like every song on that record hits. Um, there are probably 12 songs on it, and 10 of those songs are in a different genre. All you know, kind of based around like the four-piece rock, bass, drums, singer kind of thing. But every single one of them are, could have been a single so I'm a big fan of the first um, Wolf Alice record. I, I think that that um, that pretty much that record 
can do no wrong for me. I love it, love it, love it. And so I was I had a little bit of trepidation to listen to this one. And first time through, the first couple of songs, I knew I was gonna like it, but I didn't know I was gonna love it. The hooks were not as as obvious to me. But this is one of those records where like the third time through everything clicks and you're like, oh yeah, this like I get it. Like for me personally. It's a lot harder and a little punkier, but um and the hooks are a little lower to get in, but but I definitely, personally, I thought it was great. Well, and one of the things that stuck with me as I was digging through what some other people have written about this sophomore record is uh, that an interesting thing about this band is that they released, before they ever put out their very, their first work, they released a single kind of got everybody's attention and was a was an it single for a while and then they released another single before the first album ever came out and that and so in a weird way like what has been written is that that you know like some bands who have a similar trajectory and i'm trying to think of one like there was the um I'm never going to think of this the name of this act but um new kids was it new kids the, the block the, no, the band from um, Australia. Middle Kids. Middle, Middle kids. kids, that's who it is. Yeah. Anyway, sorry uh, sorry, boy band people. Anyway, yeah. So, um, but with those guys, it's like, that was, you know, that was the dynamics of, of acquiring fame were such that it's like they were known for a single and known in Australia before they were known elsewhere. This isn't exactly the same situation, but basically it sounds like there was a lot of their like kind of runway that was used up or that would have typically been used up with these two like big hit singles before they ever put out a cohesive work and then when that cohesive work came out so many people a la shane really fell in love with it so it sounds to me like there was kind of a lot of heavy lifting that had to there there were a lot of expectations around this record before it came out well, they were on a ton of festivals too. I mean, like, uh, uh, like I think one interesting thing about this band in particular. Well, I mean, I say in particular because I like them a lot, but they, um, you know, the world is different. So we look at, you know, we don't. We've talked about this a lot on this show. Like, we don't necessarily look at at LPs as LPs anymore. We look at them as a, like a construction of a series of songs that we either like the one song or or we'll pick and choose which songs on spotify we want to listen to so but i think for them like where they're this feels like a cohesive work well, to me. it does and that's something i want to get to in a second but uh, but but talking about like alluding to what kevin just meant i was going to say like i think that where their fame or fame as it were you know how, however you know famous they are which isn't you know that much in the grand scheme of things came from how many festivals they played in the U.S. and in in the U.K. over the last you know three or four years, like. Um, but having said that, um, yeah, it feels like a record. It feels like it feels like a bunch of kids in their early to mid twenties, like that, understand what records are. That's what their first record felt like, and that's what this felt like. It felt like a record. It didn't just feel like a series of songs. I didn't love every song on it, but I loved almost every song. What's well, funny? It. I talked to you like right after I been listening to it and i was like midway through like the third song and you're like oh yeah that that one i'm not all that crazy about and i i'm with you on that one but yeah, I, I, don't, I i like the vast majority of this record that 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 third song um unconventionally beautiful um I, i've kind of come around to it a little bit or beautifully unconventional whatever um i've come around to it a little bit but then all of a sudden out of nowhere i think the song is uh after the zero hour it's like 
why the fuck they just drop in this like Ren Fair acoustic ballad like dun, 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 like green sleeves basically like where the fuck did that come well, from? And, and, and I haven't actually listened to the first record, but apparently it it had some of the same deal where they sw- kind of switched genres. And I kept noticing that what's her name, the the singer uh, Ellie Roswell. Yeah, she sounds like Harry Wheeler. Well, on some, and sometimes she sounds like um, um, Emily Haynes bit of that too. Um, you know, there are times she's kind of got this bratty delivery kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I was thinking of Justine Frischman a little bit on that the first single, Yuck Fu, um, which, by the which way... is a stupid name for a, a, they, a Dude, song. we watched one Wolf Alice video a few months ago, and I was telling you, look, this band is fucking great, but they have these, like, funny and, like, air quotations, which I'm doing three out of four right now because I'm trying to hold a mic, um, and their videos are not funny, Um but they have, you know, like, so sometimes they'll, they'll have this, like, you know, Yuck Fu, which is a great song. No, I enjoy the song. But, but it's a like, stupid really? fucking name, man. Yeah, yeah, and they probably thought it was hilarious. Yeah, they think that they, but they're, they're, they're I think that this, there's a lot of things I have to say about this, man. But, um, but they, 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 one of the things that I think is really cool about them is that they, it's, they, they do a lot of different genre. They do a lot of genre hopping. They do it less on this record than they do on their first one. Um, Oh, the other one is Liz Fraser. Sometimes she sounds like Liz Fraser from Cocktoo Twins. Yes. Um, and it just depends on, like, what, you know, the song but, calls for. But I think that that's great if you can do it well. At this, if, she, if they can pull off the fucking songs, which I think they – well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we listen to that first single with the stupid name, Yuck Fu, and um, – We shall commiserate. And we shall commiserate. Watched the video. That was the video where I was th- that it first came up in my mind, like Justine Frischman, like that kind of like little snotty, little sneery. Yeah, well, it, that's that's when I said bratty, bratty. That's yeah. exactly um, the song I was talking about. Dude. But we we first watched the video where it's uh, just like a photo of the band, like with like strobe lights, like flashing on and off, and then it's just the lyrics. Like, and, lyrics. and it made me wonder, like, is she a preacher's kid? You know, because she Wait, like why do you, why what? Because when like when preachers' kids like go rebellious, you know, they say things like shit, 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 shit. What she <laughs> says, like I think I think the line is maybe like, she has Tourette's. Could like, be. That is, yeah, there is always that possibility. Like, very like in rhythm Tourette's. Mark, yeah. Mark, you pause this video right now, and like she's got a very like angry look at her. Like I feel like she's gonna like crawl at the TV and like hit us with that guitar. Is there? There's something that's very. Enticing in my mind about um, a woman playing guitar forcefully, like electric guitar. I like. I like doing that. I like um, to watch that. She's a fetching woman. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's something a little bit sophomoric about. Like, I don't feel like she's 
necessarily developed as a lyricist yet, but they're not. No. They're not terrible. Well, so here's the thing about the lyrics on this record, in my opinion. Like on the first record, um, the lyrics were so much better, um, and like I, th- I feel like lyric-wise, they were such an afterthought. Every, like every, I've listened to this record a lot, and sometimes they're a little bit like embarrassing. Sometimes they're really good. Well, this song in particular reminded me of Courtney Barnett, like in, in some of like the except less style. funny. Well, no, Courtney Barnett yeah, obviously yeah. she's like a true like Oscar Wilde type wit. You know, maybe not quite as good as that, but, but you, know, you get what I'm saying. But that's like, her forte too. I mean, yeah. she's a lyric writer. You know? But this is delivered in a similar style to what she did uh, on the last record, and I don't know, like. You know, it's a little bit wanting. So uh, I love the song, sure, but I don't think those things. I don't think those things are equatable. I mean, I I understand what what you're saying completely, but like this is one of those songs. Like you have often said this on the show. Like you know, you turn off your brain and you just listen to the. Oh yeah, song. Dude, I love this record actually. Um, but I, I've been waiting to bring this up. Like, kind of remind, reminds me a little bit of like early Smashing Pumpkins, which I know you're gonna like roll your eyes about. But no, like, no, there's like, a couple. Like, there's a couple like, songs like, I could like see that dish like. I, and the, what it is to me, um, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, I've got a couple th- thoughts on this. I think it's the dynamics. Um, like, you know, like how they it'll it'll build, and I think it's probably done in like, oh, the mixing not, process. Dude, they love, they are in love with 1993. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I was, I, exactly what I was thinking is like, if this record had come out in 1992, they would be huge by now. The only thing that I. And old. Also. Yes. <laughs> well, and Noel Gallagher would probably be. Like Noel Gallagher would find a reason it, to talk shit about him. Yeah. So so before we go on way down the rabbit hole on uh, on old Smashing Pumpkins records, I did want to share happening. like so so I I found a lot of reading material on this album and I thought this was one thing that was kind of struck me as interesting just from a non scientific point of view is that like most reviews of anything that we cover tend to be, generally speaking, pretty positive or pretty negative, and there's very little in between. And the consequence of sound take on this album is a decided C. And I was like, that's really interesting. And I was like, how do, I, I, I want to see how this guy carves out. Like, how do you carve out a C? And essentially what he said was that um, that this album felt like, I think in comparison to their last record and then maybe where they're going, like the like an act trying to find itself a little bit, and I wanted to share just a couple of things here. And then Shane, I know you're chomping at the bit, so we'll we'll get to that here in just a second. But anyway, he says um, when Wolf Alice released Yuck Fu, the first promotional single from their second full length, Visions of a Life, it wasn't clear if this was a new Wolf Alice, but it was definitely a louder Wolf Alice. Beyond the flippant inversion of the title, Yuck Fu turned singer Ellie Roswell loose, cooing her way through the verses and shouting her way through the chorus. Abrasive by design, the song's most repeated lyric. I don't give a shit. Could well be a substitute as a thesis statement for a band in search of itself on its sophomore record. For a band that doesn't give a shit, it sounds like they spend a lot of time trying to give a shit. And like uh, he said that some of the the project feels burdened, not as freeing as some of their other work, and that noise is not always a replacement for substance. Now, I know that that's a harder take on it than probably where you guys are coming from, but I thought it was interesting. Well, I mean, I like I said that... Right off the bat. Well, this is what I think. Number one, again, this album rewards repeated listenings, and it's that's just the way it, where you don't have a lot of time to do that. When, but I mean, he's got a, he's got a fair point. It, it is a lot harder. It is 
but it ultimately boils down to this. The first record they put out is almost flawless. So anything that they put out after that, especially somebody that really liked that record, is going to find a lot of fault in this in this record. Be, just and, because and you can't sound like a continuation of your first album, right? Like, and it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they had like they had areas areas in that first record that that there there was some hard stuff. A giant peach is a pretty hard song, um, but you know, like it's this is going to split. I mean, the the AV Club gave it a B plus, which is basically an A. I think Pace gave right. it an eight point one. Yeah, but he also took time out to say that like it kind of sounds like they're spinning their wheels here sometimes. Right, and I totally get that, and that's what I said in the beginning. But I mean, the thing is, is like it's not. It, again, I think the reason why people are saying that is because of how fucking how incredibly they were by the how person. incredibly good their first record was. I mean, it cannot overstate. Well, yeah, you and I it's talked about genius. this a few days ago, and I was like. Well, you know, just you started listening to it, but I really like it so far, and they've been surprising me from song to song, and you know, so it feels fresh or whatever. You know, aside from the fact that it's '90s, and I don't know that I went into it uh, all that much, but right. you were like, you should listen to the first record, and I was like, well, right now I'm going to keep listening to this one because I know which is a, I have to which, talk about it, which is a sort of which is a smart thing, and that is what he said. It was a smart thing to say. I thought about it later. I was like, yeah, because once you go into their first record, um, it's not easy. This is a record you have to listen to a couple of times before it sort of locks in. It's a lot heavier. Well, apparently this band is like super hyped in the last couple of years. Like they've been like the buzz band and they've maintained it for a while. And so, but all I knew about it is that you brought them up on the show. Hey, can I ask you a question? And this is really sort of just to start, kind of for everybody, but maybe a little bit more for you, Shane. Like, so with... With albums that, because you mentioned that, like, this took you probably two or three listens to really feel like you could, you were, you were bonding with it, sure, for lack yeah. of a better term. So, so my question is, or at least the thing that I find myself thinking about is, like, do we do records that we, that we come to love over time, do we love those more or less than things that we just immediately fall head over heels for? I think that's a great question. I, I I definitely don't know that I have the answer to that. I mean, and this I mean, is this is I have I have sort of just one example personally, and it's like it, it's going to sound nothing like this. The gambler, think, but, yes, yes, Kenny Rogers, the gambler is a classic, and I defy any. Anyway, whatever. No, um, uh, soft bullet, the the flaming lips record. It's a cla- like it's it's an undeniable classic, and I felt like it was a classic the very first time I ever listened to that album uh-huh. but I didn't love it and I think it probably just has more to do with the fact that I don't I don't really love that band but I, I didn't but I think that record is a, like Sgt Pepper amazing it's one of the best records ever recorded yeah totally my totally my my personal For, take on it is that the, 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 these are different emotions something that hits you the first time you listen to it there's something sentimental about it or emotional about it 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 strikes something within you but something that builds on you, you you grow to appreciate and love, and I I don't know I I, I don't think that they're they're well and there's not an empirical answer right like yeah no, but I, a, I I actually re- I I think that that's a pretty like astute like as far as I feel about the about the question thank like you. I think yeah <laughs> well you're welcome Mark Mark is, Mark is greatly gratified let's, let's do let's do another song let's do the second single which I love and by the way like I was talking to Skyler about this. On the way over here, um, so it took me a little while to really warm up to a couple of these songs with these kind of like like almost rap parts. But then all I had to put in my head was, "Oh, 
she's rapping like Neil Tennant on West End Girls. And like the second I thought of that, like it just somebody brought that up in a review. I think that Pace review. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think that was mentioned. Really? Uh, I didn't read that review. Well, that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like she's rapping like, you know. Sometimes there's a gun in your head. It's fun in my mind, you know, whatever. But it sounds just like him, by the way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I want to hear no, no, no. that version. You know what? By the way, <laughs> I'm learning how to do amazing impressions from you. Have you noticed the last few shows? I've, I've tossed out a few impressions. All right, can we play this? Don't delete the kisses song. All right, thanks, Mark. Like with the uh, Western girls, Western girls totally. Yeah, I, I didn't even think of that. Once either. you think of it, like it, it or once you I can't thought unhear of it, it, like right. But it doesn't make it. I mean, pfft, I, I, like I can hear Western girls a lot. Well, that song's got going for what a lot of the record does for me. Like with that, that kind of the, like that little, little, and and they slowly they ramp bring it, it up, up in the mix, the tension. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, I really like that track. That's I, yeah, I do too. Um, I this is one thing that I that I wanted to I wanted to bring up and I'm surprised you haven't brought it up production wise. Um, well, number one, this this record has a lot. Did you know who produced this? And I, I was just no, looking, I, no I was idea. just looking at the Rolling Stone review and I don't remember the guy's name, but it's Beck's bassist. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, that's all that, so that kind of makes it even more interesting. What I'm going to say. Um, one of the things that there's there's something like at first I was like. Man, there's something that's really bugging me about this drummer, but I didn't mind it on the first record. And then I realized the drums are buried so way back in the mix. That song we just listened to is Drum Machine. But like mm. for when there's an actual drummer, like they're buried so way back in the mix, and we're used to hearing drums and have a lot of bass response. It kind of bothered me. And then the more I listened to it, I'm like, so they fucked this up. But the more I listened to it, I was like, oh, I kind of feel like that might be on purpose because if you go listen to a lot of that shoegaze early 90s british stuff um the drums are purposefully put way back in the mix with the bass re- like if you listen to my bloody F- valentine loveless right. or a lot of those records um well, it, no, the, the guitars are the important thing there and, and right the, you know the drums are there to keep the beat but um you remember what i called you like and i was we talked about this and it was probably three in the morning or whatever you, you, I, you, I just listened to like, like you were saying it was like catherine wheel Ca- well the Ca- heavenward the first uh, yeah. track and i was like I was like, well, cool. You know, I like that kind of stuff. And Catherine Wheel like has a, you know, probably I won't even say a toe in shoegaze. It's probably like, you know, a leg, but they're not a hundred percent like. They were associated. like a response to shoegaze. They were like, they were like, what if you did a, what if you took shoegaze but made it into a rock band? You know, like yeah. the drums were actually really prominent in that band. So yeah, no, I was real excited when I when I first heard that, and I was like, well, that's cool. Like you know, you know, I imagine if the whole record sounds like this, I'm gonna more or less like it. But then they kept surprising me. Um, so, 
No problem with that. Yeah, no, no it's good. Um, well, do we? Uh, it may be time for. Do, do we want to go to the intermission, Mark? Producer Mark. <clears throat> According to my watch, yes. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's do a few minutes with. take a long time to cycle because you have to go in the way back machine to get there that's what the that's what the deal is what the video yeah the video anyway yeah uh hi there oh I see we're we're talking we're gonna uh t- take a take a trip back uh, it occurred to me as i was i wanted to, to accomplish two things with with today's middle of the show selection one was um i wanted to hearken to some of the the tracks that we were listening to from uh, from the the band that we've been covering, um, and I also wanted to listen to something that I hadn't heard in a while, and I was thum- Ryan, I was thumbing through this um, book of like a thousand songs that that you have to hear before thousand you die. And one. Is it a thousand one? I haven't gotten all Don't the way through. Don't forget the last one. I'm dude. just at like I want right to now. It's a one thousand and one artist on that list. <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, right now I'm just at like I don't know eight fifty. So anyway. Um, but I was but I was thumbing through here and uh, I came across the band uh, Ash, who I haven't thought about in eons. Neither yeah. have I, but I sure did like some of the singles back in the mid nineties. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna spin one of them. Let's listen to Kung Fu. couple of those guys were uh, roundabouts of 17, and all this may come as a great surprise to you guys, but that song was written um, by Tim Wheeler, one of the guys in the band, in five minutes on Boxing Day 1994 at the Belfast International Airport and recorded in one take the following day on um, the Verve's equipment with Oasis's producer. Dude, I was totally going to guess that. I know. Yeah, well, I, I, I figured. I, I, well, I yeah. was going to say, so that kind of takes away from what I was just going to say. I was like, oh, so that was in the 90s. Um, let's let's hear how much yeah. no, let's how hear much no more, Gallagher. How much more descriptive of the 90s can, can be than what he just said? <laughs> I was going to say, like, <laughs> let's have, like, uh, let's have no, no Gallagher pontificate on, like, how... Amazing that song was because it was in the night. Also, can I say this? I used to wear a lot of ringer t-shirts in the nineties. And boy, that just took me right back there. Yeah, so so anyway, they they said we wanted to write a really crap Ramon song, Wheeler Confessed. Well, they came up with one. Well he said it was meant to be a B side, but it turned out too good. 
It was a good. It was a good song. Uh, I mean, it was fine. It was it's fine. Totally song. fine. It's serviceable. Yeah, totally. The and crowd in the video seemed to like it. And here's the thing. Well, I think they paid them for that, though, dude. Art <laughs> imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. That uh, actually got used during a blooper reel at the end of the American version of uh, the Jackie Chan film Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Shane's wife is here. Oh, my wife's here in the background, like, just letting us know that was... hanging out reading Vanity Fair magazine. And and just letting us know that that song was in Rumble in the Bronx. And just called that out off the... the, No telling what you can't get in your head, because that's in there. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, so these guys just sat down and banged out this one song and... In the uh, airport in five minutes. In the airport. Well, wrote it in the airport, recorded it the next day. How do you write a song in the airport? Which airport did you say? That's a really good question. About three quarters... I'm I'm not strong in math, but like three quarters of the the lyrics in that song are Jackie Chan's name, right? So, you know... I'm not saying there was a whole lot of thought put into it. No, that's great. Oh, no, that that's five true. minutes in an airport. Anyway, but Shane and I had the exact same reaction when uh, when Shane saw what we were going to listen to that was up on the screen. He was like, "Oh, I haven't thought about that band oh, yeah, in ages." That band. I, but I kind of like those I guys. Used to, back I used in the to day. like some of their songs yeah. back back in the day. Back when you remember, like, you know what that yeah. you know what that band. Even though they sound nothing, I recently heard um they, like a band that, that was one of their, um, you know. We're out at the same time as them. Contemporaries. Contemporaries, right. Thank you, Mark. Um, Smoking Popes. It's another band I haven't thought of in, in 20 20- years. <laughs> we talked about them on the show like maybe a year ago or something. I know, but uh, but, uh, but that's a lot. Okay, it, was, so- it was like crooning over like grunge. Yeah, like that. Right? I want you around, I think. Was yeah, the, something yeah. like that. That sounds right. Anyway, I kind of figured that as, as uh, a few minutes with segments go... We probably shouldn't linger too much on this one because they clearly did not. <laughs> so, <laughs> good point. <laughs> All right, Mark, you want to take us back? Sure thing. We were just talking, like, while we were off the air about how, um, and I alluded to this before, um, pretty much I love... I, or it, it, or like quite a bit most of the songs on this record. Um, you want to briefly talk about one that you're not crazy but about? But there's one that I really don't like and I really don't get, and that's after the zero hour. And it basically sounds like if someone were strolling down the path at a Renaissance festival and wrote Eating a song a giant like, turkey leg. Eating a giant turkey leg, and then they put it behind their ears so they could write a song on a lute because they just got inspired. Like, I gave my love. You know, there's something in the... Turkey leg. Well, yeah, well, probably because they didn't have any place to put it because they were trying to write this song. They felt inspired. And so we were talking about this. And That's a considerable year if you can put your turkey leg behind it. Or, it or a small turkey leg. Like yeah. Maybe it's like... Maybe. <laughs> considerable ear is my new band name. <laughs> yeah, like an ear. Like, like yeah, mine is ergonomic turkey leg. But I was, I was so. thinking, like, you know, it's basically like if you're... If your neighbor got really industrious and like your like your five year old neighbor instead of doing like a lemonade stand, they like did a Renaissance festival in their backyard. And it was That's all a like staff and it would be all staff by like five and six year old kids. So they would have like small turkey legs. Sure. And you could put one behind That'd your ear. It would have to be like the veal equivalent of turkeys. You'd have to like what are we talking what about? Is, I, I don't know. Uh 
anyway, at some point, I did a, a Robert Plant impression. Yeah, so so basically, Ryan's impression of this song was. In the darkest steps of mortar, I met a girl so fair. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. See? I think maybe a little too much comfort with the singing. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about that one song because we're not gonna we're not gonna go there or anything. But but I highly recommend to anybody that's listening to this record if if we've at all painted a picture where you would like to or interested in listening to it. That's the one you don't have to listen to, in my opinion. I mean, check it out once. Um, sure, yeah. But still, overall, great record. Um, you guys did have uh, another song that, right? What are we so, on? So which? So you want to? So all right. So Mark and Ryan were saying in the break, both of them had like particular songs that they thought were great. I like formidable cool. Stupid song title. So great I, song. I was thinking, why don't we do this? Why don't we do one? Why don't we do like? 30 seconds of one and 30 seconds of the other one. Huh? Because we never fucking do that. I'm down. All right. All right. So let's do that. We're going to listen to two uh, so Formidable we'll, Cool. We'll start and... with uh, Formidable Cool, and we'll roll right into Space and Time. Yes. Okay. Sounds great. He's got you on your knees with that Formidable Cool. Infected you like your disease with that Despite the fact that everybody in the room was uh, talking over the song, and I was trying to listen attentively, I still love the song "Formidable Cool," despite its again stupid name. It's got a stupid. It's got a stupid name, but but can we talk about uh, Mark's um, comparison to um, to EMS? <laughs> I think that's bullshit. And I, you know what? <laughs> I actually owned that record, Schubert Dip. Um, and I, I did like the song "Unbelievable" when it came out, despite its stupid Andrew oh! Dice Clay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's very dated now, and I don't think that sounds anything like it. I wasn't. It wasn't a slight against EMF. I mean, yeah, I just... fuck you, Mark. Oh, <laughs> see, then it got dark. Um, I You're thought, unbelievable. I thought space and time sounds like sounds like. I bet live that just blows the doors off whatever joint they're in. Well, I think what they both share. And on Formidable Cool, it's a little bit more prominent. But, like, there's really good bass playing on this, and it's, like, kind of turned up in the mix. Uh, space and Time, like, it's, it's you know, somewhat rudimentary, but it serves the song really well. They're it both good it. songs. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, they're both good songs. I mean, again, like, other than, like, go to the land of Mordor with the woman with the, you know, whatever. Turkey leg. <laughs> At the Ren Fair with the flowers in her hair, so fair. Yes. Right, the tiny um, Ren Fair that your six year old just is, is putting on. Other than that song, like pretty much, 
Yeah, Tanya Renfair. Um, like with flea, like a flea Renfair. Like, like how small would it? Like, what like kind of legs? What do you I'm gonna go get investors for the tiny flea Renfair startup company with like with like tiny little sure. like feathered some, caps some on the flea. Yeah, and we'll do like old like a sea monkeys type advertisements on the back of comic right. books. What would the turkey leg be? Like, what kind of insect would it be? Like, uh, dust mite to be small enough to see though. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, no, yeah, you'd have a magnifying glass. I don't know. Okay, right. No, I got it. Anyway, I enjoy like, both those This is how songs. we're finally making our money. Exactly, this is dude. finally paying off, dude. This is our GoFundMe site, by the way. Uh, so the first song we to is Formidable Cool. Yes. Which we agree has a less than desirable name, but a good, but a good great song. song. And she has, like, those breathy vocals, you know, and they're still not, well, like, you know, that... world beaters lyrically, but, like... Um, no, no, no. But it's funny that you, you're the one pointing that out. But anyway, regardless, that's a good example of of another. And that's the one you knew I was going to like. <laughs> yes, it was. It was the one I knew you were going to like. But it also is a good example of how they effortlessly switch genres, and it does none of the switching feels out of place. You know, like they don't do it as much as they did on their first record, but they do it quite a bit, where they slip in and out of grooves and beats. And well, we've listened to a couple records on the show where I was like, "Well, this doesn't even sound like the same band as the other one," and these all sound like the same. They band. They sound like the same band. That, yeah, that, so that, the, yeah, it's you, it makes sense. Like they seg well together, but. But the style is, is very the styles are different. Disparate. Yeah, it, even like again, like to not to to beat a dead horse about the record that we're not listening to. But my love is cool. Their, their first record, um, it, uh, it it's even more pronounced. But it never doesn't feel cohesive, you know. And that's the same thing on this. Like it feels like a very cohesive record, even though they switch and change stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that they're doing. And I, I really appreciate it. a lot of the back like the backing stuff. That they're doing, like it's there's not- a lot going on. It feels like they spent a lot of time in the studio um, with Beck's bassist. Um, <laughs> Why does that abuse you so much? I don't know, but it just does. Uh, I don't. I mean, they they do say his name in the uh, entry, but I'm just got Jeremy something. I, I I think the production's really good. Like you know, these guys are doing well. And I mean, that's not the same thing as, again, like... if it had come out 25 you, years ago, they'd be doing even better. If you were saying, like, like if it were Tiny Tim, like, if that would be something that easily be immune. Like, if, okay, dude, if Tiny Tim had produced one of Wolf well, Alice's dead, record... by the way. I'm saying <laughs> so, if he had... That would be a real feat. <laughs> but if he had, like, if he had, that would be... Tiptoed to the tulips to come produce this record? There's a lot of ukulele on the record, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. So, uh, Ryan mentioned the paste review of this this record, and I do think that there that the guy who wrote this the wrap up is kind of interesting. And um, to that end, uh, going to share a couple of nuggets because the one that we the the review that I read earlier seemed to also indicate, you know, this kind of finding your way period that sometimes comes with a sophomore LP. And anyway, this guy at Pace says, while cle- clearly influenced by the high-minded doldrums and fe- and uh, restive melancholia melacol- of sadness of the Clinton era, <laughs> Clinton era alternative nation, Wolf Alice never really deserved to be uh, lumped in with the 90s revivalists. Still, what format better suits their polished experimentation, enlightened ambition, and studious genre auditing than ye old college rock? There's no denying visions of a lifetime uh, 
gives should have top marks for a sterling sophomore effort. All the same, though, isn't it time they pick a major? So this guy's point seemed to be like, should there be more focus? I, I, you know, I thought about that earlier today, not about this, but I, I remember thinking about like how many acts in this day and age not only cross genres but work on out like like think about the people that work in like in hip hop that are in or work with DJs that are you know their day job is a rock band i mean you see this all the time you see people slipping in in and out of genres that's such a fucking dinosaur attitude to have well and what's like, i agree what's, and, and, and no oh, sorry sorry to interrupt you and i do want to get back to your point mark but like i was thinking about this like it's refreshing to me that a band can be talented at doing a bunch of different things. Yeah, that's what I'm pretty saying. Pretty real well. That's what I'm saying. I mean, early like in their I, career, and like, who are you to tell them like don't do that? Well, yeah, that it, it pisses. Me. I remember distinctly, and not that this is a band that I ever loved, but I remember distinctly reading a review in Rolling Stone when I was in high school about a Faith No More record. Um, that was a band we haven't thought of in a while. I like a co- I like a couple of their records sure. Well. Yeah, I like a couple of their songs, but. Um, but but I remember this reviewer like basically the whole review giving them shit for jumping genres, and I remember thinking at the time like I like all these songs, like I don't need my fucking, you know, like you know people stay in your lane. People put potato chips in their goddamn chocolate. You don't. It doesn't need to be chocolate. You can do other things and like have and still be like That's oh. a weird metaphor, but, <laughs> but strangely you what I'm saying. Well, I saw some potato <laughs> chips and chocolate in there. That's why I was saying. But you know, like look, everybody likes Reese's. You know what I'm saying? Peanut butter and chocolate don't have to stay separate from me. You can do a lot of different styles of songs and not get locked into. You don't. Yeah. Look, it's not well, like they threw a, a dumb fucking idea to and me. And my uh, question Mark, what was, was just, your, yeah, what was your my point? My question was just like, what is the appropriate rate of change for 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 people that write this type of thing? Because I don't know. That I guarantee one. you, yeah. this guy has probably written something about another band that like they've gotten old and tired because they're playing the same shit that they've been playing on the last. You're a hundred percent right. Sure. Well, and, and, yeah, I mean, that's that's how an artist and band collective stays vital is they well, keep. Trying to impress themselves. Well, but what is that rate of change? There... I mean, I think it's better that they're showing okay. this versatility on one album. They're showing yeah. the whole range of things that they can do. Isn't there also, like, years ago, and I don't have the exact context around this, it frankly doesn't even necessarily matter, but Chuck Klosterman wrote something about the idea that in our 20s, that, like, the idea of being contrary to to oneself, like being contrary of expectations, is actually a, a good and interesting thing. And I like that's kind of what my takeaway is. Like, yeah, like this is it's a great time to experiment. That maybe they don't know where they're going yet, and maybe it doesn't matter. Oh, and that's a great point. And don't you don't you think at the end of the day, like when you're sitting in the studio and you're trying to write the songs together, like you're trying to write a great song. You're not trying to sit there and be like. Hmm, is this outside of the genre of the rest of our fucking songs? That would kill. If, it out there if you, you are, you're a fucking are, shitty band. Yeah, you throw it out there and you hope that uh, critics are going to like it. And even more than that, you hope that like the general public's going to like it and people are going to want to listen but, to you. But you start from the point where you hope that you're going to like you're it gonna as a like band. It. Yes. And then if you write a song that you think are good, you collectively You think, and the three or four or five people around you, like... If you guys think that song is good, like, far be it for me to yeah, say, like, let's, huh, let's you're jumping that. all around. Let's pick a major. And Get you know in what? your bucket. You. No matter what <laughs> every song sounds like on your album, somebody likes it. Oh, oh that's look pretty what good. Happened there. Oh. And on yeah. that <laughs> soundbite.
And on that, yeah, uh, message somebody at gmail.com. On that one, uh, Kevin, what do you got for us tonight? No, it's me. Oh, it's oh right. shit, yeah, it's yeah. Ryan. It's That's right. You already gave us Ash. Ryan, what do you have? Uh, You're welcome. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do something unprecedented, but um, I have never picked a song for the new song. And I, I was going back and forth. Cause, yeah, you like, have a lot of times. It's just usually they aren't. They don't fit I haven't the picked one a song year. for the new song that I've never heard before, but it's by a band that I like a whole lot, and they just have put out some new work. Anyway, it's Queens of the Stone Age, The Evil Has Landed. thinking about that song like it has like that riff kills and then like the kind of non-chorus is pretty good and then like his vocal sounds pretty good but it all just sounds like little parts of a song yeah like, it, like I mean, they, they may not be, be at their peak I, I was just reading uh no 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 i'm saying like 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 they i'm not saying they're not at their peak that riff is incredible but like you'll just read a little bit of this off at a certain point, middle-aged bands reach a level where they no longer need to change. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, like, the well, song... 21 years into their career. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily matter. I'm just saying, like, that song wasn't, in my mind, like, like very... Like, there were all the pieces to put together well into a great song that you're going to love. They just weren't all put together well, you know? Like I'm with you on that. Um, I mean, I dig that riff. And that riff killed. That's what was and disappointing there, there about it. at least like half a dozen, Look, maybe seven or eight, like Queens of the Tony Age songs that I love. If I turned that song on, I wouldn't turn it off. But I just felt like they had better, better... A little more energy they back done, in the day. They, no, they just could have done more with a riff that good, you know? Like his vocals sound great still. Like and They're definitely one of the better bands of the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're solid as fuck, man. Um, Kevin? I think it sounds better than, uh, say... Uh, what was that like? Uh, the Stone Roses track that came out like years after the fact, like you know, it was it, much not it, but, like. But, well, Queens yes. of the Stone Age hasn't that, gone away. Well, I know, but the point is, is like you know, things can go bad. And that Get wasn't bad. It was fine. Well, it's like, like he's like, let's hold hands and build a wall. That yeah. was like that, <laughs> that Stone Roses track. Yeah, it was like don't you shit, need one of your hands to build the wall? That was yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah, that was bad, bad, mm. bad, bad, bad. Yeah, anyway. That's true. Yeah, but so, so yeah, it could have gone, you know, things could no, go more I south. Mean, look, it was, it's fine. That song was fine. It wasn't bad at all, but uh, I guess I guess what I'm harping on and, and what what I just want to make a point of is that riff kills. That's a great guitar well, riff. So uh, the way that Josh Homme learned to play guitar is like he'd asked his dad for a guitar when he was like 11 or 12, and his dad, for some reason, would only buy him a guitar if he'd take lessons in like 
some sort of like uh, South nunnery. America. It was abandoned Close. warehouse. No, uh, from like in like a I think it was like a South American style. It was either like samba or bossa like nova or something. Fl- but that's awesome. why he has that idiosyncratic like sort of um, you know uh, staccato kind of. He, he like, writes guitar. great riffs. Yeah, and he's written a lot, and he's written a lot of idiosyncratic great like melodies and stuff before. I, like again, like I think that that song is a decent song. But with a riff that solid, I really would have liked. It sounded it sounded sort of yeah. like he he like kind of just gave up on right like spending the time to write. Well, the rest when we of when it. we had Mark shut the song off, it seemed like he was going into a bridge, and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much done with it right yeah, now. Yeah, but that shit was six and a half minutes long, and we quit three minutes into it. Yeah. Well, anyway, solid band. Uh, yeah, know, and and not a bad a, song, you yeah. know. You know, in the pantheon of Queens of the Stone Age, probably a B minus effort, but a little they're bit better of a, than most. A little bit of a rinse and repeat scenario, you know? It sounded like so a crap. Like, yeah. Yeah, the, probably your, so. your average Queens of the Stone Age buyer who's like, hey, I would like something that sounds like most of the rest of their catalog that I don't already own. Done. Could be this. That's yeah. right. Well, yeah. Then, if that's the case, then yes. Boom. All right. Ryan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got next week. Yes, you do. So, um, this is going to, uh, like, sometimes we pick old records. Sometimes we pick stuff by uh, newer emerging artists. This is a little bit of both. Um, I was listening to uh, our favorite uh, radio station the other day, KUTX, and I was I, I actually called you, Shane, and you go, uh, it, you picked up after three or four rings, and you're like, can't talk, I'm playing a gig. And... <laughs> And mm, I was I like, probably was. And the what the question I was going to ask you was, how do we know the name Dream Syndicate? Well, it turns out they just were... talked about this because I thought they were Dream Theater. Okay, which is a totally told, different thing. And you told me, or one of you two told me, I was like, one of you guys mentioned Dream Syndicate recently, and I was like, I've heard of that band before, but I always thought it was Dream Theater. I don't and, think um, we had that conversation. We recently. did. We did. I think, in, you, you, I think you dreamed it. Dude. No, I didn't do. We we, talked, we have talked about it for sure. Talked about it, not on the air. Anyhow, uh, was listening to that, um, shazammed it uh, later on, and or no, I don't even think I shazammed it. I called you, and like you were like, I don't know, uh, or, or like I'm playing a gig, playing a gig. Yeah. So anyway, I love how you have but, animosity I, but I remember, for that. But I remember like the name, I and went home and googled it, and I was like, so it turns out they've been around since 1982. They got back together in like 2012, but they were part of the Paisley Underground in L.A which it was known for its jangle pop and also spawned the bangles. So anyway, they were on a bunch of like reputable labels back in the day, and they just put out a new record called How Did I Find Myself Here? And I really liked the one song that I've heard off it, so I'm curious. Okay. I'll tell you what. I will let you do this as the record. Oh, thanks. If, if, you, if, 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 if you will let us, when we do the show next week, just at least play a clip from one Dream Theater well, song. Well, I believe you have the middle next week, Shane. So. <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah, that's up to Mark, you, man. That, thank you very much. That is a really great way to solve this G- problem. Dream Theater is like part and parcel with Queensryche. For anybody no, there, it's sort, of like, it's sort of like Rush and Yes in Queensryche, but if you made it just weirder and like the dude played an eight-string guitar. Great. Sounds but like the, that's not what we're what I'm talking about. Next well, week. I, well, I might have to. I might get hijacked in the middle that, of it. That is what I'm talking about. But it's so, going to be the dream. Um, scene. Tune in. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah got a lot to a question mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot to look forward to. All right, Kevin, get us out of here. 
All right, till next week, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. Oneofus.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel.